You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. spend all your time trying to find out what everybody else believes, you won't spend enough time looking at the truth. Years ago, the way they taught people how to recognize counterfeit bills was not to show all the counterfeit bills, but to have them learn, learn every detail of what is not counterfeit. And there, when you know so much of the true one, then you'll quickly be able to recognize any counterfeit. As Christians, we're warned to be on the lookout for false doctrine, truth-twisting teachers, and anything that doesn't align with the Bible. How do we do this? By being in the Word. Today, Pastor Danny encourages you to know the Word in and out. That's the only way you'll recognize anything that comes against it. Just as bankers back in the day were trained to recognize counterfeit bills by studying the actual bills, so too you will recognize lies by studying the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 4, as he continues his message, Shady Characters in the Church. Satan has all kinds of tactics. He'll use a guy, he'll use a girl, he'll use a boyfriend, he'll use a girlfriend, he'll use relationships to pull us down, to lead us astray. But one of the things he loves to use is theology, the Bible, religion. There's so many things we could talk about. Shady characters in the church. Shady characters in the kingdom. I put them into two categories. And the first is simply this. Birds out on a limb. Birds out on a limb. I call them cults. I'm going to give you my definition of a cult. A cult really comes down to what they do in terms of their belief, their doctrine, their teaching on Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? And all cults, every cult makes Jesus less than God, very God, with a capital G, capital O, and capital D. The Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, uh, Jesus for them is the first created son, first created being from Elohim, or as we understand God the Father. Jesus was a spirit created by Elohim. He had a beginning as a spirit, and so he's little God, little G in their Bible. It's a cult. Mormons, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so what they do with Jesus, saddens me because in my study, images of people came to mind. 
that are no longer part of our fellowship. And what grieves me is more than the fact that they're not a part of our fellowship anymore because if we're only one local church, there are a lot of local churches in our area that believe the truth and teach the truth. But these images and these names that came to my mind are people that are not only not a part of our fellowship anymore, they have bought into the teaching of a cult. They no longer believe that Jesus is really God, very God, without beginning of days or end of life after the order of Melchizedek. It's shocking to me. And my prayer has been and is that someone listening to this message today, that it will help you not to go the way I've seen others go. And sometimes the theology comes through a boyfriend or a girlfriend. We could go into a, it could be a whole series on what cults believe and the different myriads of, of beliefs that are out there within the context of what I consider cults. I have these two uh, pamphlets. I've had them for so long now, they're faded uh, but this one called the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, what God has said on seven fundamentals and what men are now saying. And it has a comparison, easy to look at uh, and easy to really just learn from. Uh, word of God, faith, Christian science, spiritualism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Armstrongism, Mormonism, Eastern mysticism, the way international unity, unification church, uh, and then on the back, more. And it's just one put in one brochure. But this is an old brochure, faded. Now, I went by the bookstore, and I said, do you have any of these pamphlets like I have, you know? And I knew they had some newer ones. And here's one. Unfortunately, this is the last one like this that I got out of our bookstore. We have no more exactly like this. Uh, but this one's much nicer, but the same idea. Christianity, cults, and religions. Side-by-side comparison chart of 20 groups. Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormonism, Unification, etc., etc. And if you want to go further than a little pamphlet, and you want to get... For example, historical background of the person who started the movement. If you want to get other details, I say to you, the resources are there that you don't have to be duped. You don't have to be deceived, and you can know. Now, don't spend all your time trying to find out what everybody else believes. Nevertheless, take advantage of what you need to find out in terms of what somebody else believes. Because if you spend all your time trying to find out what everybody else believes, you won't spend enough time looking at the truth. Years ago, the way they taught people how to recognize counterfeit bills was not to show all the counterfeit bills, but to have them learn, learn every detail of what is not counterfeit. And there, when you know so much of the true one, then you'll quickly be able to recognize any counterfeit. Birds out on a limb. The cults. But then there are birds on a branch near you. Beware. I've already said... Sometimes it's just a relationship. Most of this message deals with doctrine. But let me just read you from that little, little epistle. 
just before Revelation, Jude, verse 12. These men are blemishes at your love feasts. They were called the agape feast. The early church would get together for meals regularly, and they would celebrate the Lord's table around the meal. So they're at the love feast. They're blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They're clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without root, fruit, uprooted, twice dead, etc., Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, there have to be differences, and the word is the word we get, heresies. There have to be heresies among you to show which of you have God's approval. And other scriptures I could put with those, the point is this. Satan will plant people in even a church that teaches and preaches the truth of God, and if he can use a person even through a relationship to lead you astray, and it may not be doctrinally, it may just be immorality. It may be romance, and now the romance leads to sexual sin, etc., etc. Watch out. Those people are in the church, and some of them are in the church, and they really have never been born again. They really don't know Jesus. And they'll keep attending church with you as long as they can take advantage of you away from the church service. It's awful quiet on that point. But let me get back to the doctrinal issues. Birds on a branch near you, I, I get emotional right now. Every time I get on this point, I get emotional because, again, I think of people. I, I, I see images of faces, some who, uh, whom I knew very well, some who were leaders in our church. For me, I broke it up into a couple of categories, and I won't be long, but birds on a branch near you, they are people who buy into unsound teaching, unsound teaching. Uh, a lot of verses I could read. I'm just going to read one right here. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 3. If anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus and the godly teaching, he's conceited and understands nothing. Sound instruction. You find it again in 2 Timothy 1. You find it in Proverbs chapter 4 where the Lord says, I've given you sound teaching. The word literally means healthy, healthy, healthy. And so there's some teaching, and it's the opposite of that. If it's unsound, that means it's unhealthy. Now we're talking about teaching that may not be way out there on a limb. It's not birds on a limb. It's birds on a branch. And what they're, what they're saying to you is not out on a limb, but it's not healthy. Not healthy. 1 Timothy 4 I mentioned it earlier, the Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Then verse 3, he talks about what some of those look like. It may be surprising, but here's verse 3, they forbid people to marry. And here's where I get in trouble again. The Catholic Church would be much better off if they let the priest get married because my Bible, my New Testament says it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Especially when the passion is for the same sex many times. 
And maybe you'd curve some of that tendency if you entered into holy matrimony. But whether it's the Catholic Church or whoever's forbidding it, right here it says they forbid people to marry. And in the context, if you're saying that for religious reasons, unless, of course, you're talking about the other scripture where you are single and you have the gift of singleness for the sake of the kingdom. And if you have the gift of singleness, praise the Lord. But most people don't. Most people don't. And then he says, they forbid people to marry and to order, order them to abstain from certain foods for religious reasons, which God created and to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and, and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving because it's consecrated by the word of God in prayer. Now, before I'm done and I'm almost done, we'll come back to that. Don't forget what I just read here. So there's unsound teaching. And then there's what I call abnormal teaching. Paul had to deal with some of this. And some of it crosses the line into another one that I'll get to in just a minute. Um, but still, the point is the same. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. I'll begin with verse 17. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are, and Paul mentions two of the guys teaching this stuff in his day, Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have wandered from the faith, wandered from the truth, I should say, wandered from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. And you understand the practicality of that, because if I'm going to believe that the resurrection has already taken place, and I'm still here, I missed out. Not a lot of faith there. I mean, what do you put your faith and hope into? You go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Then he goes on to say that day is not going to come until Antichrist appears, exalts himself above everything that's called God, sets himself up in the temple, proclaiming himself to be God. And so he gives you some practical prophecy that hasn't been fulfilled. And he says, no, don't believe these people that are teaching that. You know, there are people right now, very intellectual within the church, that are teaching that we are right now in the thousand-year reign of Christ? No, we're not. Because in the thousand-year reign, Jesus is reigning from his throne in the temple in Jerusalem, and we are his government agents. Yes, we need some new government agents, but our time has not yet come. Well, oh, it will. Oh, God, help us. And that's all I have to say about that. There's unsound teaching. There's abnormal teaching. Hebrews 13.9 warns against strange teaching. Strange teaching. 
And here's where sometimes the abnormal unsound crosses lines with the strange because what's strange to me might not be strange to you. What's strange to someone who, who's been studying the Word for a long time might not be strange to somebody who's just a babe in the Lord. I think the Hebrew roots doctrine is strange. From the standpoint that it, it takes us back into the Old Covenant. Let me give you highlights. Jesus did not come to do away with the law. Well, that's true. But what they say is we're still to keep some tenets of the law. For example, the dietary laws. And what the Hebrew Hebrew roots movement says, they're not saying you're lost and you're not saved. They believe that Jesus is our Messiah and that we're saved by his sacrifice on the cross. But they say, if you want to be spiritual, then you got to keep the dietary laws and observe the Sabbath. So they're not saying you can't be saved, but they look at somebody who's not going to keep the dietary laws and and observe the Sabbath, and you're not spiritual. No. Lady comes up to me years ago. She had been a part of our fellowship. She seemed to be growing in the Lord, and she comes up after a teaching similar to this one, and she had this shocked look on her face, and she talked to me, and I talked to her for a few minutes. She had just gotten trained under the ministry Hallelujah Acres. Supposedly, people are getting healed through their ministry and the diet they suggest. Supposedly, some people are being healed from cancer, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that's not true. But their doctrine, their doctrine is absolutely wrong because the main tenet of their doctrine is God never intended man to eat meat. And that's why we get sick. That's the main tenet of their doctrine. But it's not sound doctrine. I told you, don't forget what I just read from Timothy, which is so clear. One we had to deal with, thank God it's over with. I hope it's over with. I don't want to restir the pot unless it needs to be restirred, but Henry Wright, oh my goodness, how can you believe what that guy teaches? I won't even get into all of it, don't have time anyway, thank the Lord. One of the things he teaches is 30 spiritual blocks to healing, the 16th really blew me away. Let me read it. And I quote from Henry Wright, the 16th block to healing is simply that our allotted time in life is fulfilled. You know, sometimes we just have to fade away. It's time to go. He's teaching that because in his other teaching, if you get to the point where you follow all the convoluted principles they suggest, God's perfect will is not to heal you. God's perfect will in the word is that you do not get sick. And if you follow, again, all the convoluted principles and you get to the point where you now no longer sin and you're at the point you no longer get sick, then they have to give a reason. He has to give a reason why you're going to die. And he said, well, it's just your time has come. That's not what the Bible says. None of us would die physically if it weren't for sin dwelling in our members. That's absolute heresy. Ridiculous teaching. There are birds out on a limb. Watch out for the cults. Because I've seen people that were walking in truth, and yet they got led astray. And sometimes it's through a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, you know, they fall in love, and they end up saying, well, I love them so much, I'll just go over to their side. And sometimes it's outright deception. They actually believe the stuff. And you just go, what? But there are millions of people. Listen, Mormons, what a force. What a force for the kingdom of Satan. And they're some of the nicest people. 
loving people, family people, Jehovah's Witness, some of the nicest people you want to meet, but they're believing a doctrine from hell. Here are the nuggets. If you get this one, you get this, it'll help you. If it's true, it's not new. And if it's new, it's not true. And every cult, every cult is a new revelation that ignores Jude, which opens this way. The faith once for all entrusted to the saints. And every cult would say, no, we lost the truth and here's the truth. But it's new. No. Once for all delivered to the saints through the apostles recorded in the New Testament. We got it right here. You don't have to write a new book. It's written. It's done. If it's strange, it's not sound. It's not healthy. Is it old or new covenant? Now, I'll give you a couple of points real quickly as we close. Does it embrace the Apostle Paul's teachings? If you're Catholic, you especially ought to take note of 2 Peter chapter 3 on this point because Peter refers to Paul's writings in the New Testament as Scripture. And people that buy into Old Covenant stuff, like you've got to keep the dietary laws or observe the Sabbath, that kind of thing, they have to at very best twist Paul's teachings or at worst just say, well, Paul, you know, we don't accept Paul's teachings. Does it emphasize adherence to Old Testament laws and practices like a kosher diet, etc., or New Testament? Be careful. Somebody, and then last but not least, who is Jesus? And if he's anything but God, very God, without beginning of days or end of life. Isaiah, Jehovah said, before me no God was formed, little g, nor will there be one after me. One God pre-existent, never had a beginning. And if Jesus is anything less but equal with the Father, you just heard a lie. With all the resources we have, nobody really has an excuse in our day because especially not only having the Bible but the resources with it, you and I can really be Bereans. And here's what Paul said about the Bereans. They were of no, more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness. And they examined the scriptures daily to see if what Paul said was true. I say something to you in my last comment that I really mean. If I ever err from the clear teaching of this book, find another church. And don't believe just what I say. Please don't go out here. Please don't say, well, that's not what Pastor Danny believes. Who cares what I believe from the standpoint of what I'm saying is what I want to believe is based on this book. I'm not the authority. This is the authority. And we all have the privilege of not just believing blindly because somebody said it, somebody that we know and love and maybe respect, we have the privilege of, of looking and saying, is what they said really true? Get the resources. Get into the book. Get the book in you. 
and don't be deceived. Thanks for joining us today to study the book of Mark on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings throughout the Bible at our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to stay up to date with the latest teachings and videos. Feel free to share them with your friends and family. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send that email. In addition to that, we'd love to meet you in person. So if you're in the St. Petersburg area, join us for our weekly services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. We look forward to worshiping with you. Find out more on our website. Once more, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. There's more to learn in the book of Mark. Pastor Danny will continue looking into this important gospel book right here on The Living Word. <music>